Welcome back to Christ in All Ministry. This is Ilonzo Davis. And today in this video lesson, we're going to be talking about the tithe. And so I um, kind of gathered together everything that I've learned that, about what the Bible says on the tithe. And so we're going to discuss like what it is. We're about to discuss where did the tithe come from? We're going to discuss why did Abraham tithe? We're going to discuss tithing in the law, Jesus fulfilling the law briefly. And then what's the point of the tithe? Uh... Is, and we'll get into all of that, right? And so I have a lot set up for this message, this lesson. And so, um, honestly, when I take my notes in the Bible, I uh, kind of write them in a way that I would speak it. And uh, it's pretty, like, poetic, really. And so I want to read what I um, began this note off with, and I'm going to read it verbatim. Because it's, um, I wrote it better than I can say it without being just necessarily under the anointing. And so, first, let's understand this. The archaeological text of the Holy Bible consists of prophecy, principles, and promises. Each word connects with another to build the eternally relevant and living amalgamation of prophecy, principles, and promises from the living God. Now, among these prophecies, principles, and promises is a particular aspect of giving that is wildly disagreed upon in execution and relevance, leaving a hole in the understanding within the body that works to the detriment of professing believers. That is the tithe. And so what is a tithe? Well, uh, we know in the uh, 1600s, King James got a hold of the uh, Bible. It's in Hebrew, it's in Greek, Aramaic. And he's tired of reading it like that. So he gets people to translate it. And that's why we get our first issue of the English Bible. And so the word for tithe in the original language is ma'asr. I know I did not say that correctly, but it's M-A apostrophe A-S-E-R. And it means the tenth part or one tenth, you know, if you're mathematical about it. And this word is translated to the tithe, which in the language or the addiction that they spoke in the translation of King James, right? It literally just means a tenth. And so where did the tithe come from? So the first mention of the tithe is found in Genesis 14, 20, where Abram, he's not Abraham yet. He gives to King Melchizedek the tenth of all that he had spoiled from the kings that came against Sodom and Gomorrah. Actually, let's read that. So we're going to look at Genesis 14, 20 real quick. Oh, let's say around it. Well, just explaining the verse, right? So Lot and Abraham kind of separated. Now Lot pinched his, pitched his tents near Sodom and Gomorrah. And so uh, when these five kings got together and they decided to ransack those cities, Lot got caught up in the midst of it and he got captured and spoiled along with the city. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so a single servant of Lot here, uh, finds out about it. He goes and tells Abram and Abram basically rallies together an army of 318 men. Now let's remember that Abram is an old guy to our considering our standards, right? He's old. He's like like 90s. And so he goes and basically supernaturally just defeats those kings. Him and his men. And so we pick up at verse 13. I don't know, let's pick up at verse 11. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, nephew, who dwelt in Sodom. Look at that. So Lot pinched his tents, pinched his tents near Sodom. And next time we hear about him, he's dwelling in there. He become like the company you keep. And so they took Lot, 
who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Now, remember, before Abram and Lot separated, Lot was a great man because Abraham's blessing. So 13 says the one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre and Amorite. And uh, skipping down, skipping down, skipping down to verse 16. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Shedelomar and the kings who were with him. Glory to God. So then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Look at that. So the king of Salem, Melchizedek, just comes out of nowhere and brings communion. This is the first communion I believe we see in the Bible. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him, Abram, and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Look at that. And he, Abram, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all, a tenth of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a, yeah, I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap. And that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of men who went with me. Aner, Esco, and Mamre, let them take their portion. So why did Abram tithe? Well, let me just read this. It says, I'll, it says, <laughs> I say, the Lord gave me this about why Abram tithe. It was actually a prophetic thing to do. As Abram blessed the priest of God, it established the principle that his son Levi would be made priest who would receive tithes on behalf of God, which became the condition of the reward for doing so, a blessing. And so this prophetic thing that Abram did, given the tithe, right, established the principle of tithing, right, that then established the promise of the reward on tithing. And we can say there's a reward from tithing because Abram was rewarded for tithing. And it was prophetic because through Abram's tithe, and we read about it in Hebrews, I believe, chapter 7, right? That it was accounted unto even Levi, while Levi was in his loins, to have tithe and been a priest to collect tithes under the law. And so, speaking of under the law, let's go ahead and talk about tithing in the law. And so, a point, an important thing to, uh, to point out about Abram tithing before the law is that tithing was included within the law, but tithing was not under the law. Those are, those are particular words there. Tithing was not under the law, but it was included within the law. Because the first instance that we see of tithing is in Genesis 14, before the law. And it was a prophetic thing to establish principles and promises by the will of God. And so... Leviticus 27 and 30 lets us know that the tithe belongs to the Lord. Numbers 18, 26 lets us know that God required that the Levites who were made priests. And as we see in Genesis 14, priests still receive the tithe. And so in Numbers 18, 26, God lets us know that's why the Levites receive a tithe of the people. And so we know Abram was blessed if you keep on reading. And he was blessed because of this tithe that he gave. He was even blessed before the tithe. And so even in tithing, it brought another reward to him. And so if, if Abram was blessed from tithing, 
then there must also be a blessing or a reward from tithing even within the law. And we see that in Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. I'll read those, but I'm not going to read all of Malachi 3. A lot of us should be familiar with that anyway. But if you're not, I would just uh, recommend that you read that and know what you believe. And so in Malachi chapter 3, it says, verse 10 and 11, bring, this is God speaking through the prophet Malachi, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. This is a reward. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for such, Lord have mercy. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And that's the blessing on tithing within the law. And so I might just have to read this right here. But let's talk about Jesus coming to fulfill the law. Must we still tithe? Now, again, tithing was found within the law, but it was not under the law. But even what we understand about the law is a little different. And honestly, I'm not even saying I'm completely correct about any of this. But I do believe from my um, research in scripture and from uh, the ministers that I've learned from that this is probably a very accurate understanding of doctrine here. And so I'm going to read it. It says one thing that we must understand about the law is that we still follow it today. Even man's law is founded upon God's righteous law. The law was given not that man could be complete and saved by it, but for man to be conscious of sin, seeing that the law cannot be fulfilled by man himself because of man's sinful nature. It was a school teacher pointing us to our wickedness and leading us to desire fulfillment through the coming Messiah. Galatians 3.24 is the reference verse. Therefore, what made men in that day righteous in God's sight was their belief in him. We can read about that in Romans 4, 3. And this same law is what Jesus fulfilled, but he did not do away with it. That's what Matthew 5, 17 says. Because the law still makes man aware of sin even to this day. But the significance of Jesus having fulfilled the law is that once we are reborn in him who fulfilled the law, we inherit that fulfillment and thus so our imputed grace to no longer be condemned by living through the law. What does that mean? Well, in pieces, Jesus wiped away our sin by his blood and the law was what made us aware of our sin and is why we were condemned by sin. But now that sin problem is done away within Christ and we take on new life in Jesus who met the standard of the law once and for all. If we stay in Christ, we are justified in him by grace through faith in him. For in Christ, we receive that same grace to be law fulfillers. Therefore, staying in him is how we remain that way. Seeing that staying in him means being dead to sin and no longer condemned by sin. You read about that in Romans 8.1. So, no, we are not under the law, but under grace. But grace is given to fulfill the law, though it does not and has never been our justification. Our justification has always been faith and now faith in Jesus Christ. And seeing that Jesus has eternally fulfilled certain parts of the law, we no longer have to actively practice certain parts of the law because he is an eternal fulfillment for certain things such as 
the blood sacrifice. We can read about that in Hebrews 10. But this tithing was never under the law. It was only within the law. I pray you find understanding from all of that. And so what's the point of the tithe? So in context of all scripture, the tithe has always been a principle that proves these things in man's heart. That humility, that obedience, and servanthood. And the tithe proves these things about God. Faithfulness, his loving kindness, and his mercy. For where a man's treasure is, there his heart also is, Matthew 6, 21. And we are to serve God with all of our heart and soul, Deuteronomy 10, 12. And God who owns all the silver and all the gold, Haggai 2, 8. And God who all the earth belongs to, Psalm 24, 1. And God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, Psalm 51, commands of Israel to give him a tithe. And he will bless us abundantly and rebuke the devourer. I said us for a reason. So is the blessing on tithing still for us today? The answer to that simply is yes, because what God said to Israel then is what he has said to Israel now, of which we are a part of by the spirit of God. That's Galatians 3.29. And have not been excluded of even the blessings of our father Abraham. That's Galatians 3.14. As God is no respecter of persons, but honors faith in anyone from anywhere. That's Acts 10. And so let's talk about this thing. God spoke through the prophet Malachi in chapter 3 that if we do not tithe, we're robbing from God, and that brings a curse. And so I, I, um, the Lord also gave me some knowledge and understanding about that as well. So I'm going to read, it to you, read that to you as well. So to answer the question, am I cursed if I do not tithe? Let's, let's understand that. Now, tithing in the law showed, okay, not tithing in the law showed unbelief. Therefore, their unbelief will work against them and give place for the devourer to consume them. Because not tithing was to make one absent of a blessing that God promised to fulfill in accordance, right, to the tithe. There was a blessing and reward for tithing. So if you were not going to tithe, your life would be absent of this blessing, which was for God to rebuke the devourer, was to pour out of heaven more than you could even hold, right, for you to be looked upon and be called great, and so now in Christ, we have been freed from the curse and I've been given the blessing of our father, Abraham, in tandem. That's Galatians 3, 13 and 14. And this blessing comes before the tithe. However, God also blessed Abraham before the tithe and through Abraham's tithing, he received another blessing. And we being the sons of Abraham, we would do what our father, Abraham, did. That's John 8, 39. And though we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, that's Ephesians 1 verse 3, we see through the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15 that those blessings are accessible, but we still need to access them or we will never receive the blessing because many blessings are promised of a rewarder, excuse me, because many blessings are promised for a reward for fulfilling principles of God. Actually, let me say that better. For many blessings are promised of a reward for fulfilling the principles of the Lord. Bars. Okay. And so the principle of tithing yields the promise of reward of multiplication and protection that would be absent from the life of somebody who does not tithe. Right? So then let's finish with this. This verse would have been the yes or no to all of this, right? This is the yes to do we still tithe today? Hebrews 7 and 8, 
says this. This is all we ever needed to analyze. And here, men that die receive tithes. Stop there. Let's analyze this. Where is the book of Hebrews located? In the New Testament. After the gospel of Jesus. So Jesus has come. He's done his thing. He's died. He's resurrected. Now he's glorified in heaven. And the writer of Hebrews has his revelation. Right? And he shares it in Hebrews 7. And within this revelation that he shares in Hebrews chapter 7. He says this present tense phrase and here men that die receive tithes the wording there the tense there more than implies that they were still tithing to that day after christ had already come and died and went and they're waiting on christ to return now and men that are dying are still receiving the tithe so yes in this New Testament church, in this new covenant brought about by the blood of Jesus, the tithe still occurs to this day. As we are a part of this New Testament church, where even then, before our time, they still tithe after the glorification of Jesus Christ. And so the case is closed. But to kind of summarize everything. The point of tithing, again, is obedience, is servanthood, is to be blessed. And there's one thing that I'm missing because I just added to be blessed. And it's humility, right? Because God who owns all things is just asking for a tenth of what you bring in. All of it belongs to him, really. But he's just asking for a tenth of it. And in you give him a tenth. Uh, I like what uh, Pastor Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Shuttlesworth says is that you give him a tenth. And he blesses the other 90%. And so if we were to prove God to be faithful, right? He says to try me in this. Try him. And so if you understand that God loves you, right? And that you're supposed to love God back and serve him with all of your heart. And you understand that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So we prove that our heart is with God. Or that we're even servants of the Lord through our giving, right? Not giving to be glorified, not giving to be seen of men, but just giving for the advancement of God's kingdom. As he wrote to us in uh, Deuteronomy 8, 18, right, that we shall not forget the Lord, our God, who gave us the power to create wealth to establish his covenant. And so God will give us wealth or cause a man to accrue wealth with the purpose of establishing his covenant on earth as it is in heaven. And so a lot of people are against the tithe. I will understand because they're already against the prosperity gospel. But I'll actually close with this. Joshua 1.8. Tithing helps us because tithing is obedience. I'm going to read this in the KJV. And so this is to prove the whole point about why we still tithe. And the blessing on tithing and anybody that might watch this and say, oh, this is that prosperity teaching. Well, there is no such thing as a prosperity gospel, seeing that the gospel is prosperity. What do I mean by that? Well, when Jesus proves himself to be the Messiah in Matthew chapter 10, and he says what he was anointed for in Luke 418. In both of those discourses, he says that the gospel is being given 
to the poor. And so when we read that in context, he's basically telling why he's been anointed to, or what he's been anointed to do, right? So preach the gospel to the poor is the first thing he says in Luke 4.18. The next thing, right, is to heal the brokenhearted. So he's given a list of remedies to people who are afflicted and bound. And so the remedy that he gives for people who are afflicted and bound to poverty is the gospel. So what, that, what does that imply about the gospel? It's the opposite of poverty. Obeying it is the opposite of poverty. Fulfilling it is the opposite of poverty. So that means one thing. The gospel has to be prosperity. For Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And this is the same thing that he says to John's disciples in Matthew chapter 10 to prove that he's the Messiah. He says the lame are walking, the blind are seeing. And at the end of it, he says the poor are receiving the gospel, the good news that you can be set free from poverty. And this falls in line with what we see about Joshua, that God's promising Joshua with the covenant in Joshua chapter one, verse eight. And even the book of Joshua is just a testimony to dominion, to grace to what our lives should look like through and through in this new covenant. So Joshua 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth. I said that wrong. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you will observe to do according to all that is written within it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. One thing that I have not spoken yet is that the word prosper in the Bible literally means to be successful. It is a financial term to mean to be successful. And so if we are to believe what the gospel tells us, right? The gospel brings us success. The gospel makes us successful. Following the law of the Lord, as we just read in Joshua 1.8, causes us to make our way successful. It causes us to prosper. And so, God said this to Joshua. This is a promise that he gave to Israel. That if you would follow this, you would make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Follow God's law, prosper. Follow God's law, prosper. Prosper by following God's law. The gospel is the law of the Lord. Right? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's how we fulfill our part in receiving that good news and being rewarded by that good news. And the reward for receiving that good news by faith, which works by love, which works by obedience, which proves that faith works by works is prosperity if this message helped you if it's just a line on things please share with us in the comment section some revelation that you've received from this teaching and i ask that you would please like i'd ask that you would go ahead and comment and share this video with somebody that you know this will bless i look forward to teaching you more and uh, dividing the scripture rightfully with you all in the future thank you god bless you and keep you